Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, The Other Side NDE, where we talk about the fascinating phenomena of near-death experiences. These are more than just close calls. These are first-hand accounts of what people experienced dying, leaving the body, exploring another realm, and then returning to their body in order to share that experience with you. Every person that we interview and many of us listeners believe these accounts to be undeniably true experiences people had on the other side. If you enjoy listening to stories like these, make sure to check out our YouTube channel, The Other Side NDE, where we post two to three videos every week of people sharing their NDE stories. Hi, my name is Maria Guadalupe Gurule, better known as Maria Lupita Gurule. So what's interesting about my name is that, and it's relevant to the story, is that I was three weeks late when I was born and my mom refused to induce the labor. And she prayed to our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Guadalupe, that if I was born and born healthy, that she would name me after her. And so my name is Maria Guadalupe, which is after the Blessed Mother, which is very relevant to my near-death experience. So I was born and raised in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Santa Fe, which literally translates to the city of holy faith. I have a really interesting background with my parents, where my father was going to the Highlands University and studying bilingual education. And with my older brother and myself, that were born at the time. And the four of us, my mom, my father, my brother and myself went to Mexico City. And when I was three years old, I had an experience uh, while underwater in a pool and realized at that time that that was my very, well, technically my second near-death experience. And I had this vision of this beautiful lady in gold. And I then saw her when I went and visited the Basilica in Mexico City. The Basilica is where they have the tilma, uh, which is the cloth, a very uh, natural cloth that Juan Diego wore when he wore the tilma. Why is all of this relevant? Well, when I fast forward, uh, when I was 27 years old, I was pregnant with my second child. Her name is Bianca. And I had uh, already a very difficult pregnancy with my first child, uh, he and I almost um, lost both our lives at that during that pregnancy and during that birth. Uh, he was born premature 10 weeks early. 
And I had an experience out of body at that time as well. And I was told that it still was not my time. So that happened when I was 25 years old. And when I was 27 years old, two years later, during the birth of my daughter is when I experienced this near-death experience that I'm going to describe today. I, on the day that my daughter was born, it was scheduled. Um, I was, like I said, had very difficult pregnancy. Um, I had toxemia and preeclampsia, and I was going into a condition called HELP. My daughter was actually in distress, and I was put on a bed rest immediately because, especially after what I experienced with my first child, and they scheduled her birth uh, the following Monday. So I had a stress test on Friday, went home on bed rest for the weekend, and went in for a scheduled induction on Monday. And I had an experience of just not feeling well and something just not being quite right. When we were in the delivery room, everything went really perfectly actually with her birth. My mom was present. Uh, my uh, husband at the time was also present. And my mom got to witness the birth of my daughter. I was going through a really difficult challenge in my life at that time. And it was one that I was not sure if I would be able to endure and survive. We go through so many challenges while we're here alive on this earth that we don't know if we can survive the things that we endure. So her birth went well and I was given a catheter, an epidural during her birth. Because I had such difficult pregnancies, um, first they did not want me to have her, um, although I did, but it was excruciating on my body. And it's extremely um, very delicate for the child. So I was, it was recommended that I go through a tubal ligation. So because I was given an epidural, which is a catheter through the spine, um, just to help numb while I was giving birth, they left the catheter in my spine so that they could give me uh, another spinal block while I was going to go through this tubal ligation. My daughter was born at 1242 and the tubal ligation was scheduled at approximately 3.30. I remember the doctor coming in and especially the anesthesiologist. Of course, they gave me all of the waivers and told me what all of the potentials uh, could be of you know, side effects or potential of even up to death. You know, anesthesia is something that we don't think about and I did not uh, second guess it. First, I wasn't given anesthesia under math. It was not fully under. Again, it was through my catheter in my spine. So it was to be a spinal block. And the difference is that from wherever the catheter is injected and the, um, the medicine is given, if you will, the anesthesia, it actually numbs the individual from that point of the spine further down. I was supposed to be entirely awake, alert, and very aware during the surgery. Um, however, when the anesthesiologist gave me the spinal block, the anesthesia through the, the spine, I had a reaction. I suddenly felt that I could not breathe and I was feeling that I was going unconscious um, from a spinal block. Um, I remember her asking me, Ms. Martinez, are you okay? 
And all I could remember is looking over and seeing my mother holding my daughter and thinking to myself, it's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. My mom has her. And I remember just letting go. The next thing that I became consciously aware of was being outside of my body, watching this huge commotion. At first, I wasn't aware, and I thought, well, that's kind of strange. Why would they have these two things, people um, having these surgeries or procedures? I was being taken out of the birthing room and being wheeled down towards the operating room, which is on another floor. It takes approximately five minutes to get to that uh, particular location. And so I was, I stopped breathing and my heart stopped at this time. They were trying to resuscitate me. And in my perspective, I was watching it as if it was somebody else. I thought, well, that's really strange. Oh my gosh, look at that person. And I remember going down the hall. And then the next thing I, I was consciously aware of was being in the operating room. And it was frantic. People were scattered everywhere, running I remember there somebody incubating and I realized that that was me. Well, why would I be following them into their operating room? And I realized, oh my gosh, that was me. They were frantic trying to resuscitate me. That the spinal block did indeed stop my heart from beating and my lungs from, from breathing, which is one of the possible side effects from this type of spinal block. And I was watching myself completely disconnected. I had no feeling or emotion towards it whatsoever and actually felt relief. I remember a tray being knocked over that had something in it. And I remember that it wasn't um, that I was looking at myself from a distance. And suddenly I found myself like hovering above myself from head to toe, meaning I was uh, facing downwards at the foot of my, of the, the bed. And I remember just kind of levitating and watching this scene happen, feeling completely disconnected from it whatsoever. And suddenly it felt as though I was rising and, and, but I wasn't going anywhere, but I had this very distinct motion of rising simultaneously while I was flipping over. And while I was flipping over, I seemed to be going towards the ceiling. I remember that there was a light within the room that was but a pinprick. And it seemed to consume the entire room. It wasn't as if I was going through a tunnel. For me, it felt as though this pinprick of light was consuming the room. That it was developing and suddenly I found myself completely immersed and surrounded in this light where there was motion, but no motion. Um, and when I arrived, I, I had a, a distinct feeling as though I was in my body, but had no awareness of a physical body. And it was one of the most incredible mm, things I've ever experienced. It was a sound as though singing with music, but there was no singing and there was no music. I could feel the light around me. I could hear the light. I could feel it and it, it, it was everywhere into everything. It was like a sea of iridescent sparkles. 
and it it was just so overwhelming. I I I had this distinct feeling of of being at such peace. I had absolutely no care, no worry, and or concern for what I had just gone through, and I found myself just in this vastness of this light and became aware of of a being, if you will. And I could not distinguish if it was an angel. It was not familiar, so I didn't feel like a living or, or a, um, a loved one who had crossed over. But it was the absolute most loving, most incredible mm, energy that I could feel. I had a very distinct feeling of them also having a body, but I couldn't see their features distinctly and I had a very distinct feeling of familiarity and it was he being golden which reminded me suddenly of this experience that I had when I was three and I was shown this image of myself at three years old so excited saying is it time yet and being told no it's not time yet at three years old under the water when we were in Alpapulco in Mexico City before we saw the Tigma. And I had this experience of being in her presence again. It is the absolute most loving, divine, nurturing energy. And what I recognized is that in my awareness and my knowing and my tradition, it was Our Lady of Guadalupe, but suddenly transformed into purely just I don't want to say just, but the Blessed Mother. There's been, and her form is indescribable. She has appeared many times upon the earth plane over periods of time, and I knew distinctly who she was. And as I was watching this scene evolve or develop in front of me, it was larger than life. Like, I, it was enormous, but I had this distinct feeling in my smallness and presence in front of her and I became very aware of this area in her in her heart center where I could see this flame that flickered like a reddish burgundyish color and I became very aware of this other color of blue and they seemed to intertwine and dance together and I remember like wanting to, to look and as I peered through it in the center of these two intertwined flames there was this even brighter than this white that I was enveloped in. And I knew distinctly it was a place that I could not go. I, and I've since called it the God center of the universe, that it was the ultimate, the one, the, the creator of everything. And, but I knew that I even just trying to look and peer upon that searching light was just so overwhelming. So I softened my gaze. And I remember seeing these two flames. And larger than she behind her was this, again, this iridescent, luminescent, translucent, like form of a being. And I knew it to be male. And I knew that this was even larger. And from my perspective, it just seemed like a building and just larger than I could even possibly fathom. And I knew that this other intertwined flame was this this light of this of this heart center. And I realized that it was her immaculate heart and his sacred heart 
both united as one flame that that united together in their purpose. And I didn't fully understand that just yet. But I had a very distinct feeling that that was indeed the Christ consciousness, Jesus, in form, but in not having interaction, but being very aware of this, this three-layered apparition before me in this sea of iridescent light. And I remember feeling as though I was falling to my knees, but feeling relief. At that moment, it was like she became embodied and I could feel these interactions, like a conversation. Now just distinctly with her, although she was never separate from this energy and, and this, this image that I saw, but she would be more predominant is the best way to describe it. These energies being intrinsic and just being aware of how she carries it, I guess. And I was very aware of, of being told it was not my time but I did not want to go back. I was given the, an image of my child, still did not want to go back. And from that moment, it was, I was given an opportunity and, and being told that there is absolutely choice. And from that moment, it was about understanding, making the choice. First, why I incarnated and why I went through something so difficult. And then either preparing myself for returning or accepting not returning. So she seemed to simultaneously like bid a farewell at the same time that other beings seemed to appear. And there were distinctly three or four of them. And in that presence, I it was three, but there was one that was further behind that seemed to stand off at a distance. And I know that I was moving at this time, but I wasn't conscious of how. I was being guided, but didn't know how. It was as though I knew with this conversation, communication of what was happening and being like escorted, if you will, uh, to another location. And it was as if it was sudden though. There was no movement. It was as if I moved and this place moved simultaneously. And it was almost instantaneous, but yet lots of time. And I w it was explained that there is no time on the other side. So that began a course of reviewing my life, reviewing situations that had occurred, um, abuses that I had endured, and things that I was about to experience. Um, it was very interesting because this place that we went through I, I knew it to be all knowledge. It was a location that is a preserve for scholars. I could see it for eternity. And I, I understood that there was, I don't want to call them books, but I, but that's the, the most similar thing that I can describe it uh, to being is that they are the record of every individual soul's incarnation. And even though a single person has many, many incarnations, we have one singular book, but this was alive and it was in motion. And I understood it to be what I call the sacred living library. It is a web of energy that is all attuned and everything was, was happening. I knew that they not only was it a library, but it was also a hall of records, but things were 
being recorded and being experienced simultaneously. It is a place that existed outside of um, this time space and that we could fast forward or go backwards and in another life even that would affect the life that we're living now, which I did have an opportunity to see one that was extraordinary. And also being shown this lifetime and what it was about. So I stood on a platform and it was as though it would materialize but yet be drawn. I would be able to open up this this particular apparatus, but that yet it would also be displayed that I could immerse myself into it as if it was real life and then trade places with another that I perceived to be my assailant or my perpetrator to feel their perspective and to understand it, it this happened but seems like an eternity but yet instantaneously I remember having intermittent experiences of that but then feeling so overwhelmed with one raven that I just could not overcome, which was uh, with an abuse. And I was taken, if you will, again, taken to another location for this feeling that as these experiences would come up and in order for me to assimilate it in this extraordinary process that I was taken to like this, what I would call a temple, if you will. Um, and it has liquid light and I remember being submerged into this liquid light that was of pure essence and it was effervescent and it would somehow cleanse and bind and purify and balance so that I can come back again and through this whole process and it seemed as though I had There were four particular groups, but three were primary while all of this process was happening. And it felt as though it was an entire lifetime. I was finally came to the place in this understanding of this final council. So between a process of review, a process of healing, and a process of assimilation, these were the three groups that I worked with, and they were each uh, groups of three, and then another group of three, so a total of, of four groups of three. And this final group I, I knew to be of, of a caliber or of a quality that was wise and of counsel. And I remember having a feeling of, of fear in a sense. And that's the best way I can describe it because there it doesn't exist, but yet I have to fully, I wasn't fully assimilated on the other side. I was still in between, battling in this placing place with the ability to have access to human emotions and memory while also having access to knowledge and wisdom that I was trying to learn and from this final council was being finally through all this un understanding and learning. And it felt as though having these communications, being able to, I don't want to say be tested, but it was having a very deep, deep conversation with somebody who 
or uh, I would say somebody because it, I knew that they operated as one, but they were independent. And it seemed like there was one primary with these two that would oscillate. And I've since understood that we are all like that, that we each have that kind of energy within us, one that is solid and these energies that vibrate. And it's complicated, so you may or may not want to include this part. I digress. So as I met with this this group of three council, it was having conversations about all the things that I had learned, had discovered, assimilated, and in their presence and through these conversations, it was as though something awareness, even beyond my knowing, occurred. It was as though I somehow was increasing in somehow unifying and expanding. And it seemed as though it was like a preparation of a more more of my more of my energy. What I was told is that we all actually are exist within twelve I want to call them dimensions, but there's also density. And that we are all active within that and that we actually have simultaneous incarnations. So there's a lot of energy that we ourselves as spirit have. We are grand spirit. We are part of this whole unified field where we are all actually one. We were given a piece, what I was told is a fragment, an undilute piece of the absolute that was hidden within us. So we were given a peace so that we could have peace. And that is the greatest mystery that all humanity has been trying to discover, is that hidden within us is something quite extraordinary. If we would understand and only learn that it is there, I was shown many, many things that in that place about the universe, about uh, the galaxy, about black holes, about how even a black hole is has life. We are all living within a sea of this living energy that I was shown as that living library, a sacred living library that is evolving, happening simultaneously and all occurring. That we are creatures, humanity on the planet Earth, are creatures that were created so that we could actually discover this within ourselves, so that we could understand what we are, that we are a spirit that emerged from one and we all operate as one. We are not separate. We come into ourselves and incarnations into the soul. And so there's a difference between the spirit and the soul. Both of those exist simultaneously. It is as though that spirit that was given, that undilute piece of the absolute that is hidden inside every single one of us is dormant. And just on the outer layer of it, it's like a hidden seed that if we were able to tap into it, so people who are mystics, people who have had these extraordinary experiences, people who have been incarnate upon this earth to help humanity evolve, to get out of 
Gnostic karmic pattern of reincarnation. And that has been the biggest lie that we've ever been told upon the earth. We emote such great, extraordinary power that every single DNA molecule within us emits over a thousand photons of light. And we have trillions upon trillions of these molecules within ourselves. And there are billions of us upon the planet that all have this energy within us. We have the ability to use our mind and our ability to use our emotions. But we have been misled to even not even understand that that's what we are. I was shown the history of the planet. We are far older than we think. There have been species upon the planet that have been here, existed far before us. That there was a great cataclysm upon the planet where there was an idea to suppress the evolution of humanity for the discovery of these soul sparks that we have. I call them life sparks that that is what animates us and that's what separates us humans from the rest of creatures and creation. And most other creatures upon the planet have more of a, of a beehive mentality. They are not necessarily self-aware, but there are species that are, such as dolphins, whales, even dogs, certain species of dogs that become self-aware. So we are a species that are self-aware, but we it has been hidden from us that we again experienced this extraordinary cataclysm upon the planet ages ago and that there were energies that wanted to suppress this energy within us so that we would not discover who and what we are that we are here to experience not the pain that is the program that's currently running on the planet and that there are those people who are wanting to break and interrupt that program that's currently running. We are energetic beings that are powerful beyond measure. And none of us can ever arrive unless all of us do. None of us can unless all of us do. So unless we are one, none of us can. Unless we understand that even a person that I do not know from the other side of the planet is actually indeed a part of me and that I have absolutely no desire for harm, then we will evolve. We've been taught separation and that this is the only existence that we have and that's not true. That we evolve from planet to planet even. That there is about 40% of the universal population are humanoid and that there are species that are exist throughout the universe. And there are those that are much higher evolved than us. We are all, we are all part of that plan for evolution, spirit evolution, which is the greatest adventure of all, is the discovery that we have something extraordinary within ourselves. And when we discover what that is, we could choose to merge with it. When we do that, it operates in a very different way in our life. When I was shown these things, it seemed easy. It seems simple and it made sense to me. It, I was shown that that is what indeed the Christ consciousness is. Christ consciousness is a title, not a person. It is an energy that exists that we're all trying to evolve to. We are locked upon the planet in a grid of negativity and suppression, oppression, so that we would forget what we are. We are the most 
bound species, that we are enslaved by choice and we're enslaved actually through the monetary process. That is what's breaking. So what I was shown is that I chose to incarnate at this time so that I could actually help humanity. Every single person who is incarnate on this planet at this time has chosen that same thing. Some of us are aware, some of us are not. And all of us are playing our actual equal part is that there is an evolution within the spirit of humanity to evolve out of a world of pain and separation and duality. And what I was shown is that in the year 2012, and it's not so much that the Mayans were masters at timekeepers and they were able to identify just a series of time that it takes approximately 25,000, almost 26 for the galaxy to completely circle and for the galaxy to circle where the earth would be in alignment with the galactic center. Um, there's even articles on NASA that describe this particular event and that it was on December 21st, 2012. And all that is is a marking of a time and a shift and change. That our cluster of galaxies within the universe is actually coming together and is being concentrated into a more condensed energy that there is an amplified energy that is now available to us that is awakening humanity upon the planet uh, in spades. Whereas before it, it, it didn't as much because we were really immersed in this three-dimensional energy, three-density, third-density energy. Fourth is more having to do with time and we are evolving into the fifth density. So the fourth dimension, which is time, bridges the fifth dimension and the third dimension. When we're in the third dimension, all we experience is nothing but duality, opposite separation. You, me, up, down, you know, right, wrong, good, bad. And it doesn't feel good. So this energy that we are experiencing within our cluster of galaxies is this amplified energy. We as humans only see but a mere five to six percent of the visual spectrum. That what is actually available out there is far more than we actually understand that there is densities and dimensions that are interlinked with us, just not within our visible or our, our frequency. It all exists simultaneously. And that this is what we're here to understand at this time. So when this big convergence happened, it was um, I, I, just all of these alignments occurring. But especially it's just energy that is with the galactic center, which just means that our energy of our our galaxy is in direct alignment with that directly of the black hole, which is the, the center of the galaxy. The center of the galaxy, which is a black hole, it does emit energy, but it is, and we don't understand it as of yet. We think that black hole, holes are all consuming, but they actually work in tandem with what's called a white hole. So there's two. I was shown that our solar system is a binary star system because all systems have to work binary in duality. That's why they could not separate this heart center, nor could we separate. It is that spooky action at a distance. We ourselves operate in that same way. I know that this is complex, but we are emerging into a higher state of energy, or this is gonna be understood by all of us, that there is sacred geometry at play that there are other beings that are aware of what is happening on the planet, that we are not alone, and that we are not going to be allowed 
to destroy the planet because it would destroy and rip holes um, and through the universe and through and, and wreak havoc upon our solar system and other systems. So it is a fear tactic. Now, yes, all of this is happening upon the planet, but we could shift it if we understood the power of our mind and the power of unity of one. We are eventually going to get there. There will be a golden age upon the planet, but these are truths that are hidden and that all of these things that are playing out within the world are stories that are meant to hide as if like a lens. It is as though we are all wearing goggles, uh, those three-dimensional goggles immersed in those three-dimensional worlds, and we're unaware of it. And the things that have been created are horrific. They, it, it, it's painful. Humanity is in pain. People are hurting. And the powers that be, if you will, the other side, it exists. And that they, there is a plan in place to help humanity. So there are these two realities that are occurring. One is indeed like a hell on earth and the other can potentially be a heaven on earth, which some people are already experiencing. And it's not that they're in two different places. It's not that they are unaware of what's happening in the world. It's just that their reaction to it is different. Their vibration is different. Those who are able to hold themselves and not get sucked into the panic and the fear of the world do extraordinary service to all souls. That's where we're all eventually headed. It feels like it's getting to this culmination, like this crescendo of this absolute height, because it is. So that galactic alignment that happened in 2012, I was shown, was going to give an extra bit of energy to all souls upon the planet. And that this timeline of awakening for the soul, just basically meaning that we are becoming attuned to this vibration and frequency that's available to us. They're like radio frequency. That the more people attune to those radio frequencies, it can actually create something greater and better upon the planet. So, as I'm talking with these group of three and having all of these conversations, I become very excited and realize that I want to be here. Every single soul who has chosen to be here on the planet wants to be here. It is the greatest time in the history of the evolution spiritually upon the planet. If you can imagine that there are, if we had to give a number, but there are hundreds of thousands of souls that are wanting to incarnate on the earth at this time to be present for this great shift and change. All of us were one of them. And with that realization, I wanted to come back. From that last council, it was this awareness that if I chose not to come back into this physical life, that I could be able to let go. I have free will and choice, but that I would have to incarnate again re-experience those same situations uh, that occurred before that created the problems in the first place so that I could pick up where I left off and continue the work. And there was no way on earth that I would want to put myself through that again. I had already gone through the hard stuff. And so I figured that I had enough reprieve, enough healing, enough energy, enough guidance 
to be able to come back into this life. And with that understanding, having made my choice, I suddenly found myself again drawn into this this original place of where I I came from, or I found myself when I first arrived in this iridescent place. The only difference is that this time I saw the Blessed Mother and she did transform herself into into the Virgen, La Virgen de Guadalupe, after whom I am named. And she had my daughter. She was holding my daughter. And standing beside her was my mother. And so the Blessed Mother, my mother, to me, and then my daughter. And what I understood in that moment is that what is missing upon the planet is the sacred divine energy of the sacred feminine. Our world is so out of balance because there are two energies that must be embraced and one has been dominant upon the planet and we are ready to come into a matriarchal, kind, loving, sweet energy. And what I understood is that she being the blessed energy of the mother, the creator, she's the creative force, the active force that goes before the creative energy and the wisdom that women carry upon the planet and that men can also connect to when they embrace their own feminine side, that we both are masculine and feminine, which has nothing to do with gender. It is an embracing of both of our parts, our left brain, our right brain, our masculine side, our feminine side, our knowledge and our logic with our wisdom and our compassion, that we're meant to be these unified whole people but we have only been singular, separate, isolated, and alone. So with that understanding and seeing the Blessed Mother holding my daughter, I had this awareness of, oh my God, I just had a baby. And with that simple awareness, it was not a simple or, or a beautiful separation. It was a panic moment that instantaneously I crashed into my body. I, it felt as though I felt 10 stories and crashed into my body and it suddenly felt heavy and painful and I could not move. I could not breathe. And I realized that they were breathe. They had a, an intubation. I, I was intubated, which meant because I could not breathe on my own, they had to intubate and go all the way into the trachea, down into my lungs and we're having a, a breathing tube. I could not move, and I just remember feeling as though I was paralyzed. I had a feeling as though I was being buried alive. And I had this distinct feeling of just somebody cradling my head and whispering into my ear, and I remember just a distinct tear, just a distinct tear coming down my eye. One single tear and somebody saying, it's gonna be okay. At that moment, I thought maybe it was a nurse, but I, I believe that it was that transition of, of a divine being helping me to, to assimilate back into my body. It was so painful. And I remember that they finally pulled the tube out of my trachea, and, um, but I was still under. Um, I had a very distinct awareness of, of certain organs being tugged at because, again, I was having a tubal ligation. And so they proceeded with the surgery. 
And so I was out for approximately eight minutes. And in all of eight minutes, saw the infinite, the infinite in eight minutes. And in that moment, I could not speak. I could not even begin to understand what had happened. I had, I didn't have all of this awareness at this time. It has come to me in snippets and moments over the course of these last, you know, years of, of understanding my near-death experience. At that time, my mom uh, had come to the room and she had shock and panic on her face. And she asked me, what happened? Mija, ¿qué pasó? My daughter, what happened? That the surgery should have only taken an, a certain amount of time. And I was in there for approximately half hour to 45 minutes longer. I had an extremely hard time recovering. And I just remember my body convulsing. I remember having this instantaneous confusion and this pain that I could not explain for the three days, especially while in the hospital with my daughter. I kept having these in intermittent moments of being deeply asleep and being on the other side and then being with my daughter. My daughter was panicked. I, I feel that she was very distinctly aware that she had them, this little see-through bassinet next to the the bed in the birthing room. And every time I barely tried to set her down, she would scream. So she would camp with me. And so I would just put pillows all around me and she would just stay there. My daughter has had a lifelong fear of losing me. And I believe that it's been from that experience. I went through a massive depression and I could have assumed that it was postpartum, which I'm sure it was part of it, but it was, why did I decide to come back? All that bliss and goodness and peace and everything that I felt on the other side, not experienced right away. And what I understood is that, oh, it was going to take a lot of work. So there, after about three years, finally, I, I sought uh, medical help and saw three different doctors. They wanted to prescribe me antidepressants. And uh, because I thought I was going crazy and I had a lot of difficulty re reassimilating, I would find myself having information about people that I didn't know how. I wasn't afraid or have any kind of fear of speaking in front of people or being in front of people, but suddenly my ears would ring and my heart would pound and I would have these images pop into my mind and I didn't know how or why or what they were, were about. I tried those antidepressants that didn't work. I, I stopped taking them. And then I began to, to speak and to pray. Before my, my near-death experience, I had a very, very deep, profound Spanish Catholic upbringing that uh, taught me that all things that were intuitive, psychic, otherworldly were wrong. And it was beginning to happen to me that I was having awarenesses of things before they would happen. And I would have sense and feelings of people when they would, uh, of loved ones that I didn't realize that they'd passed, had passed. I would be talking to coworkers and I would ask them about a loved one or they'd say, well, that was my so-and-so. And suddenly I found myself surrounded by people that I could suddenly have awareness of. And it scared me. I didn't understand what it was, and I had to really discern it for myself. 
And so with my mom's guidance and conversation, there was about just remember your faith, hold God at your absolute center and, and just let it be. So with that, I decided to just practice and engage in prayer, in meditation, in, in understanding what was happening to myself. I would try to read books or try to see other people, but they did not explain anything. It was, it was as though I was searching for something, an answer that they could not give me, only to realize that I had all of these like psychic and intuitive and mediumship abilities afterwards. Uh, some of my family members were really afraid of it, actually, and it was very confusing for me. It actually created a rift within my family for quite some time, but I couldn't stop it even if I wanted to. And so what I did instead is I asked just for guidance. And I prayed that if, okay, God, you can't take this away from me, then teach me how to use it and to use it in the right way. So then I just prayed that if these things could not be taken away from me, then may I be taught how to use it in the right way. And so I would find myself, again, with people that I would know, and then all of a sudden people would start calling me and say, well, you work with so-and-so and you told them about this, can I talk to you? Well, through this process, I, I didn't have the language to explain what had happened, but what I've now discovered is soul reading. So I have been, since my near-death experience and having this experience with the Blessed Mother, with, with, with having seen Jesus and this Christ consciousness, this energy, it has taken me all of these 22 years and I still continue to learn. I get these, what I call these downloads or these moments of where there's a, a very distinct awareness and I suddenly, and things are explained, quantum physics, other things that are extraordinary. I have had the honor and the privilege to be able to work and talk with people all over the planet, to be able to offer them these, this life guidance. It has that same sensation and feeling for me of being in that sacred place of that sacred living library that when I actually am with an individual, I can't control what occurs. Sometimes it's channeling, sometimes it's a loved one, sometimes it's past events or future events, and I could not explain what this is. And what I've since understood is that that was my choice of honoring this life and, and using the information that I was given, not just to help myself, but to help all of us. And that was my purpose. That is my, my chosen purpose to be here on this planet is to share information. While I was in my near-death experience, one of the very things that I was shown is, is in one of these locations for healing and working with one of these groups, when it was about assimilation, was being taken, uh, if you will, to this grand field. And the word in Spanish is loma. It's like a little hill, if you will. And I remember standing what looked like the precipice of this grand valley and seeing flowers where all of the eyes could see in a sea of colors that I had never seen before. So every hue of red that you could possibly imagine and every single one was different. So every color and colors that I had never even seen before and every color could be felt. 
but they were flowers, these flowers with these colors. And what I was told is that every flower that I was seeing was a, was a, a soul that I was meant to somehow interact with or touch. And in that moment, it was overwhelming to me. But I recognized, of course, if we are all indeed one, we are all indeed connected, and that whatever we do and think has a ripple effect upon the planet and within all of us. And so everything that I do has an effect upon you. And everything that you do and think and say has a direct effect upon me. And with that understanding, greater advanced civilizations that are aware of this, they are self-organizing, self-aware, and self-harmonizing, that they understand this basic principle and would never disrupt the unity of the whole, living the principle of one. And that is where we are headed and evolving to. But we have a lot of work ahead of us. And one of the greatest joys that I finally have after having all this experience is being able to work with individuals to help them achieve that. And so may that experience not have been in vain. I thank you for this opportunity because we were supposed to have this uh, interview at the beginning of October. I was going to take a trip. And on October 3rd, I actually suffered a heart attack. And in that episode, I had an experience of being on the other side. When I work in this way, it is like I straddle both here and there. It's like I, I can feel and see within my mind's eye both of these existences simultaneously. And so being able to understand that and what I was shown is that that was a, a timing, if you will, within myself, is that time is precious and time is urgent in that we upon the planet are all called to do this and the time is now that my life has a purpose and that I was not fully pursuing it getting caught up into the two-dimensional world all through COVID all of us experienced that and so as we're coming out of this time it's about understanding what it is that we want to do with the time that we have and may we each understand we are so far, far, far more important than we can possibly imagine. May we as each person understand how important each of us are. We are all part of the whole. If not one of us makes it, none of us do. What I think and do has an effect upon you and you have the same upon me. May we hold that in our heart and may we actually begin to understand, to undo all of these things that we've been taught that are not true so that we can actually come back to the truth of us, which is we are souls with the potential to fuse of the spirit inside of us hidden to be these creative beings, to create joy and to be creative not to just succumb to the patterns and the habits and the getting up and going to work and the routines. That's the trap. Every single one of us were given this deep desire within our heart before we were ever born. And that is that seed within us. Some of us find it. Most of us don't. That's what reincarnation is about. If we don't achieve it in one lifetime, we're given many op lifetimes and opportunities to try to achieve it. 
The goal is to discover that there is something extraordinary and divine within ourselves. That if we unify with it and let it operate along with us, we can create an entire world, an entire different species. And so with these two energies that are happening on the planet, may we choose in each moment joy, compassion, love. So that's my near-death experience. And I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share and hopefully be able to give some peace of mind that although we have a lot ahead of us and yes, there's a lot of challenges that are happening upon the planet where we're headed is someplace extraordinary. If we each do our part, we'll let it. Thank you.